Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Just a great song to kick us off into your word. Lord, that it is step by step. It is as we walk in your spirit, according to your truth, Lord. And, and that we experience the joy of transformation. And this morning as our brother Bill brings the word, Lord, we ask you to speak through him. Lord, that we would individually hear what it is you want us to hear. And then, Lord, give us the practical response. So that as we walk with you step by step, we would be transformed more and more into the image of your Son. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So yesterday I went to a wedding. And this wedding was in the Upper Ojai and it was a beautiful day. And it was formal. Tie, slacks, jacket. But it was, it was just a gorgeous wedding. Um, and, and there was dinner. And then after dinner, um, you know, there's the dancing. You know dancing at weddings. There's the bride that dances with her father. And then there's all the dancing that goes on. And they had this beautiful ten-piece band there, um, which, of course, I was interested in. And the drummer was really old, which I really appreciated. And, and so... I was noticing as they were dancing, there's beautiful dance floor, and there were all of these people, and the dance floor was packed. So, do you dance? Not you Baptists, but, I mean, no, seriously, do you dance? Anybody? Wow. Now, now I'm not talking about the type of dancing that I saw yesterday, because they were dancing, even though it was formal. You, you know the kind of dancing I'm talking about. When you were young, did you ever dance like this? You know, you go out on the dance floor and you're flailing around like that and it's like the objective is not to hit anybody upside the head with your arm or something like that. I'm, I'm not sure that that's really dancing. Um, or may, and, and I'm not talking about line dancing where there's country music and everybody, you know, they're doing their, I don't know how to do that either. They're doing their kicks and all that kind of stuff. And that's, there's no partner involved in that. And I'm not sure that that's really dancing. Or... One of my more favorite ones recently, anybody see that Time Warner commercial where the guy is in his patio and he's, he's on at Time Warner, you know, you just all you want to do is get some information from them because you want to maybe increase your service or something. And they put you on hold with that incessant hold music. Have you seen that commercial? And the guy's in his patio and the hold music is on and he's knows he's going to be there for like 25 minutes on hold. And he's, he's dancing to the music, you know. You know, see, that's not the kind of dancing I'm talking about. What, what I'd like you to imagine this morning is I'd like you to imagine real dancing. Two partners. Maybe a husband and a wife. Not necessarily, but maybe. Preferably of the same sex. And Did I just say that? You know what I meant. Okay, now that you're all awake. <laughs> so you've got this couple. I want you to imagine this couple. Maybe they look like the body combs or something. I'm not sure. But, but, they, but I want this picture. Seriously, now, I want this picture in your mind this morning. The picture is, is that there's this couple and they're on the dance floor. And it's just like it flows. They're just in step with one another, in sync. It's a beautiful thing to watch even because you look at it and it's, it's, it's just inspiring. It's inspiring. You see, and maybe it's ballroom dancing, maybe not. But the picture for the morning is, I want you to imagine what that 
what that might look like in your mind's eye. And we're going to use that imagery this morning as we open God's Word, and we're going to use the text today from Galatians chapter 5. And I want you to think about these beautiful steps from this couple that is on the, on the dance floor. We turn to Galatians chapter 5. That's where the sermon title came from, by the way, on the front of the bulletin today. The 25th verse in Galatians chapter 5 says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now you see, because Paul, the writer of Galatians, starts this passage with, Since we live by the Spirit, it means that he's speaking to whom? Believers. Okay, believers, since we live by the Spirit, he says, he's speaking about born-again believers. See, these are the ones who Jesus spoke about in John chapter 3, where he said in John chapter 3, you don't have to turn there, John chapter 3, verse 5, he says, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. These are the believers that Paul in Galatians is talking to. That would include you and me. We're talking here now biblically about what Charles Spurgeon, if you don't know who that is, Charles Spurgeon, an 1800s British preacher and theologian, who coined the term true truth. That's even hard to say. True truth. And what he meant by true truth is, is that it's absolutely true because there's a lot of people that believe a lot of things and they think it's true, but it's not true. He was talking about the absolute truth. Jesus said very truly, didn't he? He said very truly. It's the true truth. That truth of you being born again as a believer on Jesus Christ who put your faith in Christ is true. It's true truth. So Galatians is talking about this born-again, spirit-filled believer here. That's you. That's me. And according to the true truth of God's Word, that's the only kind of believer there is. Hmm? That's the only kind of believer there is. The born-again kind. Straight from the mouth of Jesus. So, If you're a believer, and those true truths of who you are in Christ Jesus are true, then they all apply. On last week's sermon's notes, Pastor Richie listed them. I re-listed them on your sermon notes today. You'll see that those true truths are still true. They were true last week. They are true today. They've always been true. Since before the beginning of time, they've been true. You can read them. I'm a child of God. I am loved. I'm a new creation. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm a member of the body of Christ. I am a citizen of heaven. I am a God's workmanship, Christ's ambassador, clothed in the righteousness of Christ. I'm forgiven. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm justified, valuable, gifted, and I am spirit-filled. All true. Do you believe it? Because that's the question, isn't it? If you believe it, then what? Then what? 
I think Galatians 5.25 makes that really clear. I think that Paul makes it really clear what the next step is because he says, okay, since then, you're a Spirit-filled believer. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. See, Paul's drawing a reference to this new life in Christ if you're a believer. Not if you've been a believer for 50 years. You see, you have been given new life in Christ. And that's what he's talking about. He's talking about not only living in that new life by the Spirit, but he's talking about how it should then be carried out. How we should live. That's what he's talking about. See, because I think that the Galatians, just like us, the Galatians were struggling. They were struggling with this living by the Spirit and keeping in step with the Spirit. So Paul says in the third chapter, I'll paraphrase it for you, the third chapter of Galatians in verse 3, he says, Are you so foolish? I love that. Correction. He's bringing correction. Are you so foolish after beginning your life in Christ by means of the Spirit? Are you now trying to just live the rest of your life by the means of the flesh? See him drawing the contrast? So we started our life in Christ by means of the Spirit. That means was the Spirit. We started our life in Christ by means of the Spirit. You see, that's the Spirit. You see, and all we did was choose. That's all we did. See, because Christ did it all. All we did at the beginning to, by, by means of being in the Spirit so that we could live by the Spirit was say yes. Amen? That's all we did. So that's how we started our life in Christ. But what does keeping in step with the Spirit mean? It means just to get up every day, all day, and by the Spirit, do everything you do. Every detail. Every day. All day. From the time you get up to the time you go to sleep. How? By the Spirit. So if that's all true, if that's all we have to do is get up every day, all day, all the time, and do things in the power of the Spirit, by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, then we could probably just walk on out of here and we're done. That's it, right? What else do we need to know? I think that what we need to know is we need to know how that practically works. Because my guess is, is that many of us in here, just like the Galatians, we're going, huh? What? What? Huh? I don't get it. I don't think the Galatians got it. So I think we've got to unpack it because I think we've got to take it from the principle of God's Word to the practice of God's Word. Back to Galatians chapter 5. If we take a look at Galatians chapter 5 and we start reading in the 13th verse, we will say that it says, excuse me, chapter 5, verse 16. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with one another. So that when you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, 
you are not under the law. Interesting. We'll look at that in a minute. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Uh-oh. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, orgies, and the like. Quite a list. Quite a list. I warn you, as I did before, that those of you who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, I always like therefores and buts. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things. There is no law. Now, those of you who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature when it, with its passions and its desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. You see, we have to understand the Spirit and the flesh, don't we? And what is the flesh? God's Word just told us what the flesh is. That's quite a list before you were in Christ that that was where you came from outside of your relationship with Christ. Each of us. I think we're familiar with those things. Remember when you just wanted to be independent? Remember when you had no need for the things of God? Remember when all day, every day, instead of being in the Spirit, you were in the flesh and it was really all about you? I do. A little bit yesterday, to be honest with you, in my life. But you see, when we're in step with the Spirit, our old nature is rendered flat dead when you are in the Spirit. And therein lies the conflict that we deal with. Amen? You see, because that's what verse 17 is talking about. Look at it. Verse 17 says, For the flesh, that's our old sinful nature. By the way, that didn't go away. You've been given a new nature in Christ, but that old nature rears its head up, doesn't it? And so, for the flesh, that's the old sinful nature of ours, desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you just darn well want. Another paraphrase. See, the flesh produces one kind of desires in us, and the Spirit an entirely different kind of desires. Anybody familiar with this battle? Is it just me? <laughs> just me. Yeah. Yeah, see that old sinful nature. That old sinful nature, it comes up. Too regularly, I'm afraid, in my life. It's constant, you see. But we've been given this new nature, and I love the Apostle Paul's honesty when he says in Romans seven eighteen, he says this, And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is my sinful nature. See how he just identifies that? I know that nothing good lives in me. That is my sinful nature. I do, I want to do what is right, but I can't. Anybody? I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Ah, the Apostle Paul, we tend to put him up here. We lift him on a, on a pedestal, but there he is, just like the Galatians, just like the Ohioans, just like everybody, Right? He struggles with that. You see, because our actions are always subject to our strongest desires. 
And only the Spirit then can enable us to be in step with Him. You can't. Only the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, can enable you and me to be out of the flesh. But then says, but Paul then says something really interesting in verse 18. Look at it. The second part of verse 18 says, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, I'm pretty sure that's good news. I'm pretty sure. But look at how verse 16 says, Walk by the Spirit. And then verse 25 says, Live by the Spirit. And keep in step with the Spirit. And verse 18 be led by the Spirit. You see, those are all explicit terms. It's pretty straightforward and pretty clear, isn't it? Did you see it? Walk by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit. Okay, let's just do that. Right? Wow, a lot of blank stares. How do you do that? How do you do that? I mean, Paul, will you tell me just how to do it? I just want to know how to do it. Well... Let's go back to the image of the dancers again. Is that in your mind's eye right now? They're together. They're in step. It's flowing. It's beautiful. It's almost effortless as they're gliding across the floor. I think that that's what we need to see. But then do you see in verse 18 the but if? See, the but if tells us it's a choice. But if, he's speaking to believers, remember? But if you are led, keep that image in your mind, but if you are led, implicit in keeping in step with the Spirit is being led by the Spirit. You see, that's how dancing takes place. We don't do any leading. It's not about us. You see, He does the leading. So being in step requires us first to make a choice. And the choice is to be completely submitted to the lead. We have to be completely submitted to the leader. Now, I know that sounds pretty simplistic. Probably because it is. <laughs> Wes. Wes always talks to me about his life in Christ and says, wow, it's really simple. Yeah, but sometimes it's not easy. But it is really simple, isn't it? Just submit. The reason I like the dance analogy is that in some ways being led on the dance floor is like what Richie said some time ago. It's a word that I've caught on to and I've been using it ever since. It's kind of like our diatheke relationship with the Lord. Diatheke, remember what that word means in the Greek? From the greater to the lesser. It reminds me of the, of the dancers. From the greater to the lesser. Not that one dancer is greater than the other, but one is the lead. You can't have two leaders or you would be dancing like the, you know, like Tyler. It's not pretty. Two left feet for sure. So it's this, it's this greater to the lesser in sync moment being in the spirit. My wife and I took West Coast Swing dance lessons a few years ago, and I know some of you find that pretty amusing. Um, but we took those dance lessons because she wanted to, and I knew that it would be good uh, for our marriage. <laughs> it, yeah, and it was. It, it was. Uh, 
And it was really interesting because one of the things I learned during this process of learning how to swing dance was I learned I'd, I'd never done that before. And I learned what this leading was all about. And it was really amazing because we could do things on the dance floor that we couldn't do in our marriage. It was weird because what we did was we learned that with nonverbal communication, we could go through the process of dancing and doing these steps. And I didn't have to tell her if I wanted her to swing around twice and we were doing the, you know, five, six, seven, eight moves, you know, and, and, and she was going to she was going to, you know, spin. I could spin her right into the ground if I wanted to, because not <laughs> nonverbal communication meant as, as I held my hand up over her head. That meant to continue, just continue, just continue. And when I brought the hand down, we were into the next step. Other steps, if, if she was going to be opened up and we were going to be doing these steps side by side, it was just a matter of where I put my hand on her back. I learned, I learned these techniques. It was, it was, it was enlightening. We were in step. Now, I'll admit, sometimes it wasn't pretty. A lot prettier than watching Tyler dance, but it wasn't pretty. <laughs> but I want you to get that picture, you see, because to be in step with the Spirit, He leads us, we never do the leading, and being led stresses what? Both the Holy Spirit's initiative and the Holy Spirit's leading. You've got to get that. It is His initiative and His leading if you are going to live in step with the Spirit. And keeping there, verse 25, keeping in step stresses how that leading results in then what we do, our actions. Keeping in step with the Spirit is what we do with it. You see, the Spirit leads us by creating in us the desire to be obedient. Because before the Spirit filled you, believer, you had no desire for that. Admit it. There was no desire to be obedient to the Lord, who cares? Until the Spirit filled you and then enabled you to be in sync. So by the way, that second part of Galatians 5.18 that says if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You see, in one sense, that simply means that you are no longer condemned. There's no condemnation. You're not under the law. You see, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And there's no burden of this law to make you do what you don't want to do. See, it's the Spirit in you. When you do what you don't want to do, right? Where does that come from? It doesn't come from you. It doesn't come from me. That comes from the Spirit. See, given this true truth that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's what 2 Corinthians 3.17 says. Being in the Spirit is what produces these godly things that we want to do. Being in the Spirit. So why do you want to be in the flesh? I mean, really. Don't you just want to be in the Spirit? Because Second Corinthians tells us right here, Second Corinthians 3.17 says, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now, given this truth, for every believer that is spiritually bound up, come on, there are believers that are spiritually bound up. And yet 2 Corinthians 3.17 says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. Check your spirit meter. In the Spirit, in the Spirit. Anybody? Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. 
in the flesh, in the flesh, anxiety, worry, all of those things that are of the flesh. Where's your meter? You've got to check your meter. Because there's freedom. Now look at verse 19. Verse 19 says, The acts or the works of the flesh are obvious. And then he gives us the list. I don't even like reading the list, frankly. He gives us the list of all the things that we are totally capable of in the flesh. And then verse 22 says, But, again, I love buts and therefores, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Right? We know that, don't we? For those who belong to Christ Jesus. So that's the contrast. It's a huge contrast. The contrast, the direct opposite of the works of the flesh is the life that bears the fruit of the Spirit. And see, this is the same contrast that is talked about in verse 16. It says, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And I think we missed that critical point. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify then the desires of the flesh. Because let's face it, there are fleshly desires that each of us have. Can he say that at church? Yeah. See, that's reality. That's what Paul was struggling with. Man, why do I do those things I don't want to do and I don't do the things that I, know I really want to do? Why is that? He's struggling with this flesh spirit thing, isn't he? And so do we. We do it. So take note here. The works of the flesh are what you do when you gratify the desires of the flesh. But the fruit of the Spirit is what appears in your life when you walk by the Spirit. So here's another note that you need to take. One... Walk by the Spirit, verse 16. Two, be led by the Spirit, verse 18. Three, and bear the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22. And here's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Don't miss this. Whose fruit is it? It's not our fruit. I think we miss that a lot. I think that we think that... We're looking at this and we want to do things. We want to be more loving. So I'm going to work my tail off. I'm, going to, I'm just going to be more loving. I'm going to work hard at it. Work, 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 work. I'm going to take swing dance lessons. I'm going to love my wife. You can't do that. That's what he's talking about here. It doesn't work that way, you see, because it's not your fruit. Being in the Spirit bears His fruit in you. You can't miss that. So if you're trying to be more loving, stop. Huh? Yeah. Just stop trying to be more. You can't try hard enough. It's not possible. You can't do any of it. It's not your fruit. It's his fruit. So why is it then that this being led why the Spirit is important and what it's all about. you got to go back to verse 13 quickly. Verse 13 says, we're called to be free. You see, it's about freedom. Free, not in the indulgences of the flesh, but we're called to be free in the Spirit. Did you notice that the first fruit of the Spirit, by the way, is love? Probably just a coincidence. No, I don't think it's a coincidence. You see, so after all this big biblical truth, that's true truth. After all of this, 
We're called to be free. We're called to be free in Christ. We're called to be free in the Spirit. We're called to live one another, live and serve one another in love, according to verse 13, and not in the indulgence of the flesh. And, and, then, and then we're to be led by the Spirit. We're to walk in the Spirit. And, man, as a result of all of that, that should produce the fruit of His Spirit in our life, right? After all of that, after all of that, the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul writing this letter in verse 25, makes a statement and a command. This is where I think you've got to pay attention. The statement is, since we live by the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. And I put it this way. Since we live by the Spirit and not by the flesh, let's keep in step with the Spirit and not with the flesh. Then we're faced with these three commands by the sovereign will of God, by the way. Be led by the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. What's the practical question that we need to answer here? We need to ask it and answer it. And simply, how do we do that? And that's what I'd like to conclude with. Because don't we just want to know how to do it? Because otherwise, don't we walk out of church too often? We, just, we walk out the doors and we feel really good. But we scratch our head and we go, well, how do we do, how do we do, how do we do that? And God's Word tells us how to do it. If you want to live your life in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit and keeping in step with the Spirit in obedience to God, in unity, interwoven, in sync with the Spirit, that is the person of God, the Holy Spirit in you. These are the things that you must do. You ready? The whole back of your sermon notes is empty. You can write them all down if you want to. Or you can circle in your Bible if you like to write in your Bible. And if you don't, well, that's your issue. Just kidding. There's four things that we need to deal with here, guys. Four things. Here it is. First, acknowledge the truth, speak the truth, and most importantly, believe the truth. Because that's where we get stuck. Do you believe it? Yeah, Bill, I believe it. Do you believe it? You've got to acknowledge that apart from the Holy Spirit, frankly, you are helpless to do any of this. None of it. And remember the Apostle Paul in Romans 7 when he said that I... Remember what he said? And I know that nothing good lives in me. You've got you to gotta understand that. In your strength, it's not good. That's, it's not there. Apart from the Holy Spirit. And of course that's true because Jesus himself said in John 15:5, What? Apart from me, you can do nothing. But what did he mean by that? I can do lots of stuff apart from Jesus. Oh, it's quiet in here. I can do a lot of stuff apart from Jesus. Mostly sin. In the flesh. Apart from Christ, I am so in the flesh. Amen? That's what Jesus is talking about. We have to acknowledge and we have to believe that we can do nothing about pleasing God outside of our faith in Christ and the filling of the Spirit that is in us, living by the Spirit. 
Two, you've got to immerse yourself in the Word of God. And you've got to pray without ceasing. Not the first time you've heard that. You've got to get into the Word of God and get the Word of God into you because God's Word is the ultimate source of all true truth. Amen? You've got to meditate on it. You've got to fill your mind with it. You've got to fill your heart with it. And, and you just got to get immersed in it. It's an attitude, this praying without ceasing, by the way. It's an attitude of an awareness of the things of God. And it is a condition of your heart where you demonstrate your complete and total dependence on Him. Amen? Then you've got to trust. See, because trust is your faith. You've got to trust you absolutely must believe you have to trust and that you have to be keeping in step with the Spirit. You see, because that can only be achieved supernaturally because sin no longer has dominion, dominion over you, that's for sure. Trust is an essential that requires that you surrender everything to God. Did you hear that? Not some of it. Trust is an essential thing. And it requires that you submit everything to God. So man, just surrender it. If you're struggling with something like the Galatians were, if you're an Ohioan and you're struggling with it, will you just let it go? Colossians 2.10 says that in Christ you have been brought to fullness. Do you believe that? Seriously. Don't walk out of here not understanding then what that means. Man, I'm telling you, you want joy? Believe that in Christ you've been brought to fullness, complete, loved. Dude, are you kidding me? <laughs> we should be dancing on the pews in here. You've got to keep in step with the Spirit by knowing, believing, and trusting who you are in Christ. Go over that list. And then believe it. Just believe it. Smile! <laughs> it's true! And then the fourth thing is, is you have to act. Why isn't action the first thing on the list? Yeah, because action most of the time is in the flesh if you're not careful. You see, because... By God's grace, He always appeals to us to surrender and to walk with Him by the Spirit based on our standing and who we are in Him. He never appeals to us on any other basis. He says, it is true. You are Spirit-filled. You are forgiven. You people are saved. Would you just believe it? Now you can appropriate that and do something with it. Walk out of those doors and get excited. Right, Lois? Okay. See, the crazy thing about this flesh-spirit thing is, man, you're in the flesh, you're in the spirit. You're in the flesh, you're in the spirit. You're in the flesh, you're in the spirit. You don't have to do that. You just don't. You can choose to be in the spirit. He's given us the fullness of the Holy Spirit that all we have to do is all the time appropriate what is already true. It's just true. Holy cow, it's true. You see, and it's even crazier than that because it's for our benefit. Because He loves us. Right, Lois? Okay, all right. So if you're trying to do this stuff in your own strength, will you just stop it? 
Just stop. What a waste of time. Gee whiz. And if you're dealing with your circumstances, here's the one that we always get caught up in. If you're dealing with your circumstances, because there's some tough ones out there, isn't there? Just don't. Just stop it. Be in the Spirit. Tell you how to do it. All the time, 24-7. Praising God. Just like you do in church. You can have church all the time. Just walk out the door and have church. We had church yesterday. My back's killing me. <laughs> You've got to surrender. You've got to be led by the Spirit. You just have to. You just have to. Because God loves us so much that that's what He has for us. We're going to prepare for communion. Richie's going to come up. And he's going to lead us into communion. And I want you today to be thinking about flesh, spirit, and flesh, and spirit, and that God has given us everything that we need for life and for godliness to be in the spirit. Connect with the Lord this morning in preparation spiritually for just being in the spirit. Amen. Amen. As we prepare for communion, you know, there was a word that, that really underlies everything that, that Brother Bill shared and it's choice it's a choice and I think about Jesus in, in Gethsemane he says my father if it is possible may this cup be taken from me yet not as I will but as you will what was that that's a choice it's a choice it's a choice to be honest it's a choice to honestly come before the Lord and say yeah I've been, I've been in the flesh I'm good in this area this area Lord let, let, me, just, let, me, just be, let me just choose to be completely transparent I'm in the flesh. That's a choice we make. That's, a, that, that's an action. It's a choice. And as we prepare for communion, maybe God's just speaking to your heart. Yeah, you know what? Before you leave here, you need to make a choice. Around here, you know, we celebrate repentance. It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. And a choice is to admit, in this context, you've been in the flesh. A choice is to admit, I need to turn from that. A choice is to admit, I need to surrender this area in faith. And here, here's the glorious truth I just want to encourage you with before we take communion. You're not alone. And to let go of that area can be downright terrifying because it's what you know. We find our security in our, in, our, in our control. We find our security in our habits. We find our security, even though it's in the flesh, quote-unquote, it still makes us feel some, some level of comfort and security. And now, Bill, through the Word, is challenging us to let that go. We don't even know what that looks like. I've been doing it for so long. I don't even know what that would look like. And it is terrifying. Here's my encouragement. Make the choice with the Lord. And then make the choice and tell somebody. So you know what? I confess to the Lord this morning that I've been in the flesh in this area. I'm really terrified right now because I don't know what it is to walk in the Spirit. I don't know what it is to be yielded. I don't know what it is to be surrendered because all my life in this area I've been in control. Would you come alongside me? Can I, can I count on you to encourage me? Can I count on you to be an ear? Can I count on you to pray for me? Can I just be honest with you? And I'm, I'm going to pick you. I'm just picking you, Lord. Uh, and Lord, put you on my heart. I'm picking you because Bill said I have to make a choice. So I'm choosing to surrender, but I am so scared because this walking in the Spirit is so new. 
So choose to surrender, but find somebody. One person that you're going to ask to come alongside you in your walk. Lord, we thank you that each week we get to celebrate communion in remembrance of Jesus. And Jesus, you made a choice. In in the garden, you were confronted with being in step with the Father's will. Terrified in the flesh. Struggling in the flesh. And yet, you chose submission. You chose to be in step with the Father's will. And in your obedience, we reap the benefit of your cross and your salvation. So, Father, we come before you in this time of communion. The cups will be distributed. Just encourage you. Remember Jesus, hold the cups, tangible symbols of of his broken body and shed blood. But maybe this morning, the choice is being offered to you once again. Give up the flesh and yield and be led by the Spirit. So we'll distribute the cups and we'll hold them and then we'll take communion together. For those of you who uh, maybe you're like, whoa, okay, that's a heavy choice. Here's a final encouragement as we sing this song. The basis of your choice is the authority of the Word of God, but, uh, but also this, the nature of a good, good father. When you choose and you get to that line and you cross over and you have that all in moment, you're going to have to be sold out to his nature. You're going to have to be 100% committed that he's a good God and he desires your good.